it's my lifestyle, it's my lifestyle. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the Grounds Crew, a podcast covering all things baseball. We're brought to you by Baseball Lifestyle. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Grounds Crew. As always, before we get started, make sure you like and subscribe, leave us a review. We appreciate your support. Uh, today, we have a guest. He's been on the show once before, and uh, he was... Very excited to be on, Mr. Josh Shapiro. How are you, bud? Happy to be back. Good. How was your vacation? It was, it was good. Yeah? I was thinking about this podcast the whole time. whole time, just gearing up for it, gearing getting up. in the zone. Just sitting there drawing pictures of me and the <laughs> edges of his books, yep. stabbing it <laughs> yep. repeatedly. Getting, getting all his notes together. So I've been waiting. I was... He's had anger about this podcast for probably 10 days now, we think? I No, Literally. longer than that. Longer than that. It's been, oh, yeah. At least the last three podcasts, he'd come in before and be like, yo, I'm, I'm coming on. I got the smoke. I'm ready to go. I don't and have that... smoke. I just, I have... I just have things. You have and things and thoughts. Listen, like I hear this podcast through the wall mm-hmm. every every week, and I just it's been a long time. A lot has changed, and I'm just here to have a conversation. I'm not here to start any beef. I'm just here to have a conversation. I, I'm you're, just you're glad you talk about the facts. I'm glad he's, he's listened to all our episodes, so he knows exactly our position on everything. Yes. So he won't say anything that we'll be able to chop and edit afterwards. That will hurt his standing. Like yep. that, like that one TikTok where it's like, "I'm not a fighter. I never claimed to be a fighter. I'm absolutely a fighter." <laughs> Uh, so what Josh is talking about, guys? He's he's quite the Yankee fan, um, and so now that they're winning a little bit again, he feels confident yep, to come on a podcast. But two weeks ago, the Yankees fans were like, "Hey, we could just cancel the season right here, just call it, I save us the trouble." Yeah, no, no, it was. Yeah. All star breakthrough, and then they got break- some trades. That was trade like, deadline. That was like July. They've played way more games than that since then. When two- was the when was the trade deadline? The thirtieth. Okay, so, so since, slightly over so two since weeks. A, since a few days after the trade deadline. And the actual players showed up mm-hmm. and started to play a little bit. Yep. So, yeah, about to Absolutely. The Yankees made great moves at the trade deadline. And Nobody we said that on this podcast. That. Absolutely. Um, and they've they've capitalized. They've won six in a row uh, since uh, <clears throat> since playing against the White Sox at the Field of Dreams game. And it looks like they've got it figured out for the moment. Um, what what, are you, what well, are you thinking? Again, it's more than two weeks. Since July 17th, the Yankees had the best record in baseball. So, okay. let's, let's go back when they – before the – before – the trade deadline, they were starting to kind of like a little bit get it together to the point where they were able to make the moves at the mm. trade deadline where they weren't like complete bust, like blow this thing up. So let's just, I, that's all I wanted to say. No, we, July we, 17th, we agree. they have the best record in baseball. I think what, what we're saying is Yankees fans didn't realize that until somebody else put that, that stat out. Well, that's fair. The, mm. the other big thing that helps is when the team that's been bullying you all season is now just as bad as the Baltimore Orioles. So the Red Sox have now looked like the Boston Red Sox, and the Yankees have looked like the Yankees, who they were supposed to be. Now, this is why baseball is 162 games, because this is what baseball is. It's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Yep. So, like, you, you, I, you've said it. You said it's a long season. They always say this thing the whole time. It, they could turn it around. It can get hot. And that's exactly what they've done. Kudos to them on doing so. And, and our theory it has been, and it's the reason why we say a lot of teams went with bats, this year, instead of just the pitching, was because if you needed to win more in the regular season, you went for bats. If you were already winning enough and you were like, how do I prime myself for the postseason, you went for pitching. The Yankees have been misbuilt and misaligned with too many righty bats that all do the same thing. Mm -hmm. They went out and they got some guys who can swing lefty, who can do some things other guys couldn't, and that's balanced out their lineup. But is this are you worried about the same thing that you always worry about with the Yankees? They're built to win in the regular season. Their bats will play across the 162-game season because they know the analytics. 
But then they get to the postseason, and now they need to pitch. Do the Yankees have enough pitching? Truly I, for the postseason. I, I mean, it's, it's truly, if you really look at it, they are number five in the American, uh, excuse me, in MLB of ERA this year. Their pitching oh. has actually been really, really, <clears throat> really solid. But doesn't that include their bullpen? Yeah, but their bullpen has been actually terrible over the last month. It's like watching like the cardiac. Like I need Mariano Rivera to rise back from the ashes because it's like I can't trust <laughs> Chapman. I can't trust Chad Green. Like their bullpen has been terrible. Even the game against the Red Sox. Uh, last thing, a walks bases loaded or like lets up bases loaded and has mm-hmm. to strike everybody out. Like, bro, it's it's terrible watching Chapman last night let up a home run in the ninth inning. Like, yep. they're not their bullpen has not been good. So uh, their rotation, I mean, they've got guys like Luis Gill who's coming up and he's literally like the new Jacob Degrom of New York. Like, I'm just being sarcastic. Wow. When I say that. But wow. he, he's more of the Tyler. Can we Gill. cut that one? Can we make sure we have that? <laughs> but Thank I'm just saying. I'm saying timestamp that since please. 1901. He's the only, first pitcher since 1901 to have like his first three starts allow zero earned runs. So he, he's been very solid to watch. That's he's huge. been fun to watch. Thousand percent. You guys and, like, Severino coming back. Severino's coming back. Cooper's coming that, back. But... Cole's back from the uh, COVID IL. Well, didn't Severino get the uh, setback though? No, they, they he was gonna have a setback, but they like it was on a thing. Like they called him like Ma- they, magic. Good. Yeah, magic. Mr. Yeah. Yagi walked in. Rubbed his hands together, got the did some things. Little, yeah. little, oh, the second one. Now yeah, you're talking yeah. about the second yeah. one. Yeah, he's all uh, good. But like, but like Montgomery's been great this year. Like he's been nothing but like very, very, very solid. So like I don't have an issue with the rotation. If anything, I'm more scared about the bullpen. See, and I, again, I, I think that there's one thing between regular season every day, and there's another thing when you're going to get into the postseason, especially in the opening rounds. And we're going to stack one, two, three versus one, two, three. And if the Yankees stack one, two, three versus one, two, three, they probably have the advantage in game one. And then from that point forward, they're going to be asking Cole to pitch on short rest. They're going to be asking him to come back and save them. And they're hoping that the bats play. Now, again, this is the Yankees every single year for the last decade is will the bats show up long enough and often enough and combined to win without having pitching? Um, I really would have wished for them to go and get a pitcher in some way, shape or form. They're betting a lot on Severino. Um, yeah. And I just, it's, the Severino play hasn't worked out ever. So I just. Yeah, it's, it's been it's been shaky. And the, the Yankees are, they, they would play Oakland right now if the season ended right now. So. Well, in the wild card in game? In the wild card, yeah. They've done that like six times before in the last yep. like eight years. I, I'd have game. confidence there. And then they'd probably get <laughs> who, the, like the White Sox or the Rays. I mean, my biggest fear in the postseason right now is like, hey, they have to make the postseason. Like, they've yep. been on a great run, but like, it's August nineteenth. Oh, yeah. Like, there's still plenty of time. You can't for go this. on the hottest run. You got to go on that on the average. Just like yeah. they've been the best team, they've been the worst team. So at like, some point in time soon, they're yeah. going to go on a cold run. Listen, like this is this has been great, but like at the same time too, it's felt like this this last like stretch has felt like the 2018 Yankees where everybody got hurt mm-hmm. and they were still winning. Like you had guys like. Mabin and all these guys that were just like raking out of nowhere, and now you've got guys like Velasquez, kid from the Bronx, who's out here making diving plays, winning games. Mm-hmm. You've got guys like Rudnett Odor, who's just like a great team chemistry guy, dropping mm-hmm. bombs from the left side. Like it just feels again like that team, and it's been fun and exciting to finally watch this team. Mm-hmm. But the biggest thing that you mentioned was I didn't realize how much the lefty bats have meant to the Yankees until watching the Red Sox series because I was telling Josh like when the Red Sox came in, they were they were Yankees were down. And or they were up. Uh, Red, sorry, Red Sox were up, and the Yankees were down. They brought in like the uh, I forgot his name on the Red Sox, like a one four ERA. Um, he's like one of their best relievers. He comes in righty, walks a couple of guys, but all of a sudden Gallo comes up. So they have to bring in a lefty, lefty because the guy walks a couple of guys. Like I don't trust him to face a lefty. Oh, well, they bring in the lefty. 
He walks Gallo. They end up winning. Then the lefty faces the righty. They end up winning that game. Yep. If Gallo's not in that lineup and it's another righty, they keep him in. They might lose that game. There's also a fly ball to left field that Gallo's playing left field and he doesn't run on Gallo's arm. So like while Gallo might be hitting 216, the things, the little things that he did there, and even last night with Rizzo making that pick at first, just putting the ball in play, yep. like. It's the little things that the lefties are doing now that, like, I don't think I even realized how much they made a difference. And I think that's the biggest transition mm-hmm. was having the lefty bats. Yep. And the thing, too, now that's causing a problem is Luke Voigt's coming back, and there was a conversation in his press conference saying, like, I deserve playing time. But mm-hmm. they also recognize that the lefty bat in Rizzo is A, been more effective, and B, he's a better defender. And, like, they're just going to sit there and say, we kind of want him in more as much as you've been productive for us. And now that's creating a little bit of a swirl in the Yankees. I, I think it's a swirl. I, I think it's more, again, it's how much is it really affecting internally versus, like, everyone's right. external media perspective. Blowing it up, the media course. blowing it up. Because I think it's just if he we wants get to play. Like, if we get, get into it. the media, like, that's where we can get in with the Mets. Like, you guys see, like, media is just, like, terrible. Like, mm-hmm. what they're doing with Stro and with, with Steve. Like, it, like, let's not talk about the media. Like, internally, I think this Yankees team is very yeah. united. They're both two mature adults that could have a conversation who are veterans yeah. in the game. Is it going to be tricky? Yes. Does, like, John Carl Stanton not want to play left field? Probably. So, like, how are they going to work it around? I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But last night they won again, and, and Voight wasn't in the lineup. So, like, it's good. It's like the Dodgers problem. So, there's too many good guys on a team where you got to figure it out. Yeah. But, listen, the Yankees also always get injured. So, like, if there's one injury, everything works itself back out. Like, for right now, it's a pain. But, like, in two weeks, it might be a blessing. So, like, I don't know the answer. And that. that's the thing. Like you said earlier, it's the injuries. We've talked about the Yankees' biggest problem is what happens when – Judge and or Giancarlo get hurt. Right. Right. The answer now is Voight. Right. Right. And it's now you have that protection against those two guys who typically get injured. Hey, if we either want to give these guys more rest days or the worst happens, guy strains an oblique, a guy hurts something, any of the injuries that they've accumulated over time, you have Voight who can who can give you over offense. Right, and they're betting all in on their offense. They're betting all in. They'll outscore everybody throughout the rest of the season and postseason. Yeah. Well, that's mm-hmm. why I think, like for right now, it's a good problem to have because they've been so injury bugged that, like, hey, like Rizzo's not like signed to the Yankees after. Excuse me, after this year. So, like, let's look, like, Lloyd. You have been injured all year. We had to make this move. This is the reason why Absolutely. we're in this position. Like, we appreciate it, but like, let's get to the end of the year and we can reevaluate where everything's at and go yep. from there because it's going to take every single man on that roster to win a championship. And if that's their goal, 100%. then they're going to have to click together to win that goal. And to me, it doesn't seem like like Rizzo or Void are those guys. And obviously, internally, everybody wants to play, but like, mm-hmm. you're at the end of the day, you're a major league baseball player who you know you're good. Like, you're going to be fine. It's just yep. a matter of what the situation is. Do you is. think you guys will catch the Rays? I don't. I, I The Rays are like. They're like the kryptonite of the Yankees. I really like. I hate playing them. They just like are so good. Now that they added a legitimate steroid bat of Nelson Cruz, like wow, that's just like ridiculous. <laughs> Did he just call out steroid bat? <laughs> Nelson Cruz, like that man, he's like been standing by that take. I've been standing by that take for a long time, but like whatever. Like he's a good, he's a great bat. So like the Rays are gonna be good. The Rays are gonna win. The Rays are gonna find a way to slither their way and and beat the Yankees somehow. Like so, I don't see them winning the division. Um, Per se, but like, it's possible. Don't get me wrong, but the Rays, man, they have to beat the Rays. They've never beat the Rays in the last two and a half, three years. So if they beat the Rays, sure. And again, so the Rays are built in a complete opposite way. They're yeah. built on pitching, and they figure out what they're going to do with their bat. And they have built themselves to their own ballpark. I oftentimes think that the Yankees double down on offense, not realizing that your offensive numbers look so much better in in the division. And then as the season wears on and you're playing in other parks, the same hits, the same things, the same stuff you built your analytics on 
looks different, right? When 80, 81 games at home look one way, you go to uh, Fenway, it looks the same. You go to Camden, it looks the same. Then all of a sudden you go to a big expansive park, you go outside, you go to all the stuff and you're like, wait, why is everything so different? Mm -hmm. um, I, I think the Yankees are still good. The challenge with the Yankees, and we've talked about it a few times now, is there's too many good teams in the division. And it's going to be hard to sustain unless you truly are just so much better than everybody else. It's going to be hard to sustain that level of play. Look at the Dodgers, how much they leaned into getting more people. And they were already great mm -hmm. because they're still three games behind yep. to the Giants, right? And they still haven't been able to catch them because the Padres eat at your wins, because the Giants eat at your wins. Toronto is still a good team, and Toronto yeah. got better at the trade deadline. They they're got gonna, one of the pieces that they they're needed. gonna just miss. They're like they're like a couple like pieces off. Like last mm -hmm. night, yeah. like Brad Hand is. I don't understand yep. Brad Hand that, that that acquisition, but like lose it like what like that. But yeah, I, I agree that division's like stupid stack between those three teams. Like the Rays are just gonna win games. The Red Sox, like. I don't know if the Red Sox keep playing like the Red Sox are playing now. Like I, I don't, I don't think they'll be that bad either because their offense is like still a really good offense. Yeah, I can't. Again, they've been four and six in their last ten. So have Toronto. So there's been a lot of things that have both happened at the same time. Uh, the Rays have been seven and three. So They're the Yankees good, have yeah. the best record, eight and two, in the last ten games. Uh, but when you're looking at everything else, who's going to actually fall? Who's going to come back up? Who's on a hot streak? who's playing their real way. We're not going to be able to find it out for a little bit. I still think the Yankees' big kryptonite is I don't trust the pitching staff still. And I just don't know if they're going to get it. I, even the bullpen not pitching well in a short window, I trust it more in the playoffs at this point than I do the pitching staff. Because mm -hmm. if we're relying on you know a young guy who's made three starts to be our number two starter, we might be in trouble when we get to the postseason. We'll see. Yeah, they got to get there first. Yep. Is, they got to have the best record since July, whatever, 17th, but they're still August 17th, September 17th. It's a whole another month. Let's just hop straight across town. Sure. So uh, Steve Cohen tweeted uh, that the approach at the plate for the Mets has been absolutely abysmal and that other teams figure it out. I walked out of my office when I saw it, came right over to, to Josh, to Gerson, and uh, I was like, that was a tweet at – the manager, right? This is the first time Rojas is not just getting the benefit of the doubt. Mm -hmm. He's not getting, oh, you you, you kind of got thrown in. We wanted Beltron, then it was you. It, we, we, we know that there's been issues. Now it's like, nah, we went out, we got a guy who could hit, now he hits worse, mm -hmm. right? We have all these guys who have hit in the past, and now they hit worse. No one at the plate looks like they have a plan that's justified. And we changed hitting coaches already, but the plan is still the same. So that means the manager is asking for something to happen. And the manager is telling his coaching staff to harp on something that's not there. And this is the first time that Cohen's like, yo, change it up because I'm, I'm, I'm putting this out there in public. Yep. G, what's your thought? Unfortunately, I mean, I, I kind of agree with them. It's been a, a whole, like the whole season really, their approaches look like, like there was none. Yep. Especially, I, I forget what the stat was, but they're they're like the worst fastball hitting team in the league. And I don't think you're really going to be able to get very far in the season, in yep. the playoffs, if you can't hit the fastball. And their chase rate is, that's that's more what he was focusing on. Because like we just played the Dodgers, just played the Giants, and their chase rate out of the zone is like the best in the league, I think, or, or top five. And especially the Dodgers, I think they're number one. And you see that when we play them, it's like they're not chasing out of the zone. That when they get something that's in the zone, off speed or fastball, they're hammering it. 
and that's kind of that's why they're always manufacturing runs. They're always in the game, and the Mets you you face guys like who aren't even like great pitchers, and they're still getting dominated, and that's why their offense looks awful. And I like that he. I mean, I know it's tough to say, hey, like don't call out your team like so publicly, but I also feel like they're yeah, definitely taking it to heart a little bit and I, trying to make. I stayed in city because. If we had gone back to 1995, 1994, mm -hmm. this would have just been that Steinbrenner called somebody to his office to do an interview. Mm -hmm. There would have been something where it was an off-the-record executive said yeah. something, right? And he would have gotten it into the paper, would have called a buddy and made sure that what he wanted to get said got put out there. Welcome to 2021. I'm going to tweet this because you can't misinterpret this. Mm -hmm. Here it is. Here it's laid out. I love it. It needs to happen. He wants to change the culture. He wants to change what it is. He's shown that he's willing to go out and trade, invest he's also money, a, do he's everything. Also a fan, like that's him. A at super the core. fan. So like, so like, a like I I respect what he did. B, I think like what you said, the chase rate. Like if you remember the the Savage in the Box Yankees, like they had the lowest chase rate in the league that year, and they were just dropping bombs all over the place because of that chase rate. I think it's so important mm -hmm. um, to not chase outside. But the other the thing that I think is a little bit like funny. Is that you then went out and traded for Javi Baez, who's got the craziest like chase rate in the league? Oh, yeah. and so like that just doesn't align with like what you said there. That's the only thing that I was. No, like, I, I agree with you. I, that's why I didn't like that. And you saw it as soon as he got to the Mets, like it's three zero, it's two zero, and there's pitches that are not even like remotely like that's your pitch. Like go after. That's not the guy you go going, after. Yeah, it's not. Gonna, that's like, a little contra Like that's I, a little. I don't bit think like, that he was going after Baez though. But like no, I don't think but, like, I don't think that's he just was, like a product of their. But you say chase rate, and you say yeah. like like players without. But he like, didn't say chase rate. He just said approach in the box, and he said and the OPS shows it. I'm just right? saying, like, the, that's what a stat that, like, But the reality the best is, is that have. Baez, even with everything coming into the Mets, had an 800-plus OPS. The fact that the OPS is now down is his issue, right? I don't think that—I I think that Cohen looks at it, and he goes, I don't care if guys strike out. I get that's part of the game now. I think his bigger issue is OPS is not showing that our approach is good. So whatever we need to do, that has to go back to what it was— and again, Baez was a, has been a worse hitter with the Mets than he was with the Cubs. So whatever ha has happened, it's the transition, it's this, it's that. But we we saw it earlier in the season with Lindor. Lindor lo didn't look like himself and looked out of sorts. Mm -hmm. Then he started saying, I'm just going to go back to hitting the way I did two, three years ago. And then he started coming around. Like, Conforto has been frustrated about what's going on at the plate and that he just needs to work on things. Mm -hmm. But Conforto's been our best hitter for the last five years now all of a sudden he's one of our worst hitters. Like Jeff McNeil, been batting 315 every year. Yeah. Now he's batting 260. Like no matter what you want to say, I, I it, it's it's that all of the things that have been preached organizationally are not yielding any result. Yep. Who is in charge of that? And by the GM coming out and saying this is an atrocity, and the owner now coming out, I have to. Everybody's pointing their fingers in a different direction. As Rojas, it is yeah. And if they lose a couple they already more cut games, the, they cut the hitting coach early in the season. If they lose a couple more games, do they fire Rojas? Not this year. Not this year. You don't think so? No. no. I think the players like him too much that it would, it, like, I know the Mets are playing like garbage, but they're not so far out of the division where it's not impossible for them to make a run at it. And I think <clears> it would really be like too much of a shakeup if they ditch the manager right now. Using yeah. the same logic that Josh used before. If you go back to well before the All-Star game, the Mets have a losing record, right? Mm -hmm. They might be 60-60, and 60, but it's been like 60 games. In the last 60, 70 games, they're a losing team, yep. right? At some point in time, guys can like – people like Rex, Rex Ryan, right? 
there's a point where you got to look at Rex Ryan. You got to be like, he's he ain't it, right? There's no but reason the Mets should be the sixty and six. There's no, no reason. Absolutely not. When reason. you look at the guy, if you just pulled Especially back, division. if you pulled back and said that just the 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 lineup hit like last year, and I know everybody didn't have their best seasons last year, but if everybody just hit like last year, the Mets would have a better a better record than they do now. Yep. But there's also no reason like a year with. Uh, Acuna going down a year with uh, who's their pitcher again? The Braves that went down with the ACL. Soroka. Soroka yep. down again yep. with the Nationals literally blowing their team up at the trade deadline. There's no reason that the Mets should and the not Phillies be- haven't played well until like last week. But exactly, there's no reason. <laughs> but there's no reason the Phillies were as bad as they were. The right. Phillies are the the, their, yeah. the Phillies are the National horrible. League Yankees, right? Yep. Well, let's go out, load up on hitting, load up on all that stuff, and let's go juice it. We'll have one superstar pitcher, and then we'll get by, right? We'll figure it out. Wheeler's potentially going to end up being the guy who wins the Cy Young. And Harper mm-hmm. might be right? an MVP. So, like, they've had their two. Harper's had a good season. I don't think he's been an MVP season. If... You'll never give Harper the day of light. The light of day? Yeah, that thing. I, I know. No, I, just... I, don't, I, I don't think he's had an I don't MVP think, season. I don't think he's, he's an had MVP. A, he's he, had a good second half. He's not been an MVP. Right, but he's, he's had a good second half. He's been in MVP discussions. Sure. He's sure. never like MVP discussions. Of, of yeah. late, he's gotten himself back into an MVP discussion. So again, I, I will be with you on the fact. I listen. I know Harper's a good player, but you hate. This is you hating Brandon Nimmo. No, no, I right? don't. No, I know no, he heard, can't. Yeah, yeah. He finally is coming I'll around. I'll come around to Brandon Nimmo. But again, like so, so Nimmo has always been a worse player than even a guy like Conforto. And all my point ever was is that you're paying Bryce Harper money that Brandon Nimmo and Michael Conforto are the same player. The only difference has ever been until this season. Right, this is the season now that Harper is like breaking his mold. Right, he's hitting for a better batting average than he has in years. He doesn't have the same power numbers. His approach has been different. But when you look at everything, he he looks like those two guys, and that's all I've ever said. Harper has personality and he has all this stuff, and he's been a stud since he's a 16 year old kid. Right, so it's the only reason I look at it and I go, he's overgassed because he was supposed to be who Mike Trout is. Right, mm-hmm. and the, that's the reality of it. Is he's a really, really good player, but this goes back to Harper is is a worse player in his ten year run in the league than a guy like David Wright was. That's not a bad thing. David Wright was a stud, but like we've we're, we've anointed him that he's this all time legendary player, and he's been a really good player. But he's going to end up having to be an accumulator. Mm-hmm. He's going to be a guy who has to play till he's you know forty to get to all these numbers that are Hall of Fame numbers. I, I know that Bryce is a great player. He just was never, right, a, even a top 10 guy. He's only rarely touched that. Well, all, I'm, all I was saying, the reason why the Phillies are where they are is because they have a guy like Wheeler. JT Realmuto. And a guy like Wheeler, Harper. Yeah. Harper. Yep. They, but again, that's a team that has spent a lot of money on their team, mm-hmm. and they expected to compete for this division all along. And Joe Girardi is a great manager. A, and Girardi is a, a, a great manager. And they're getting the same benefit in the second half that the Yankees have. We are, our theory is bats in the league play up in the second half. It's why teams go and they pick up on all these guys. Oh, yeah. Is because if you have more bats, arms get tired. Mm-hmm. Arms get tired, it gets warmer bats out play too. better. It gets warmer out and July, the, August. And when we get to August, and we get to late August, and we get to September, bats are going to out-hit pitchers. Right, because guys' arms are just going to be fatigued. Guys are saving bullets for the postseason, whatever it is that they are. So you start picking up that you win games in the back half of the year. Phillies are a bat team, right? They got a small park, they crush home runs, mm-hmm. right? Guess what? That's what they're doing now. The question is, is that enough for them to be able to beat any of the teams that are from the West Coast, who are built differently than everybody else who's built on the East Coast? The only team that's remotely built that way would have been the Mets, 
But DeGrom's out now, right? Yeah. Cookie's back, but Syndergaard, we don't know when he's back. All of the pitching that was supposed to be there for the Mets just hasn't been there. And that's been the biggest difference. You tell me DeGrom doesn't miss any starts this year, that they don't have more wins? Of course they'd have more wins. Yeah. He might not, yeah. right? But they'd have some mm-hmm. one-win games. Yeah. Um, and I think that breaking everything apart, to me, does Cohen send a message? Like, I think it's got to improve. He sees the same thing Josh just said. Yep. This division is open for us to take, and if we don't do it, we're never doing it. Well, that, that's the problem is that they've had so much opening to just get in front and have a plenty of cushion to play average baseball and still win the division. Because at the end of the day, nobody's nobody in this division <clears throat> making its playoffs unless you win it. You guys are like the Dallas Cowboys right now in that in that division, man. Like you guys should win that division. Like, Easily. You have the Giants who are terrible, and then you have the. The Redskins who were terrible, and you have the Eagles. We played who were like terrible. 15 games in a row, but that was like Pirates, Marlins. Yeah, that could have put us like 10 games up in the division, and we could have just you have like to beat who you're supposed to beat. Absolutely, the and they then didn't we also do that. lose. Then we also lose to the Dodgers two games by one run in, right. in extra innings. Then yep. we lose an extra innings game to uh, the Giants. Then we win an extra innings game. It's like at some point in time, like I know they're playing better because they're they're right there. Mm-hmm. But the way this offense is actually stacked, you shouldn't be scoring those little runs. This should be one of the best offenses in the league, and the fact that it's not is the problem. Yep. Right. Winning, yeah, they'll win some games soon, and they'll they'll figure some things out, and everybody will be happy again. But they have underperformed wildly. Oh, absolutely. Um, and we were all saying it was the injuries, it was the injuries, it was the injuries. Can't say it anymore. And, and they played their best like, baseball when their team was like most injured. Facts, because all those guys yeah, had something to prove. Yep. Brandon Drury, like the dude's batting like 490 on the season. I can't get time because J.D. Davis is crushed, mm-hmm. right? But we're now out here like, okay, Jeff McNeil, step up. Hasn't been there, right? Pete ha- has been himself. So I have a question for you. We talked about something. I saw another tweet that was said that the Mets have to stop like believing in all this quote-unquote homegrown talent, i.e. guys like J.D. Davis and all these, not like homegrown, but just guys that are like theirs and just be like, we got to go out and get some real like effing ball players, like we got to go out and get, we got to get the Chris Bryant, we got to get the Javier we have to get the Francisco. And that's Lindor. what I told, but that's what I said. I was like, that's a Met fan saying. I'm like, you already got ra- the I names. I still would have rather. But that's Brian my thing over. is like we have gotten the players. That's what I said, and you said no. And like that, that's just a. But I think that's a a, a guy like Josh wanting even. He wants everything. He wants to overdose it. Yeah. And he wants to overdo it. But the that's why I feel is, like if you look at the Dodgers, that's what they did, and it's. Paying off. A lot of it's homegrown. A lot of the Dodgers are homegrown. But they 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 took uh, yeah. they took Justin Turner from the Mets. Right. right. Justin Turner was our third baseman, and we let him walk. JD Davis ha- has a better OPS over the last three seasons than Chris Bryant. So why are we going to replace a better hitter with a worse hitter? Because he's got a better name. This is the this is the Bryce Harper issue, right? We're going to replace Brandon Nimmo with Bryce Harper for 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 twenty million dollars more per year. Well, the Bryant why? thing for me, it's more because he's a more versatile player. Yes, they're kind of similar. I'm but with I, you yeah. on Bryant, but we've talked. Where was Bryant fitting in? That's that. That was the question. I thought that JD Davis would have had to have been moved in the trade for Bryant. The fact the the biggest thing for me is Javi Baez doesn't hurt a thing. Because in the short term, he was playing shortstop for Lindor, who's got the oblique injury. Yeah. Secondarily, Pete Crow Armstrong, who was the, pit, the the outfielder that they gave up, is four years away from being in the show. Right. Yep. In the same time, Khalil Lee, who was a top five round draft pick a few years ago, is 23 with a 950 OPS in AAA and is a step away. So he's further along than Crow Armstrong or Kalenic was. You look at the same situation. You got Dom Smith and Nimmo are still going to be signed on this team. Dom Smith's like 26. He's not going anywhere, 
right? So your outfield is covered. You need a center fielder. Pete yep. Crow Armstrong wasn't going to be that dude yeah, exactly. for four years. So I, they gave up nothing. And the reality is, if Javi Baez leaves in free agency after this year, the Mets get a first-round pick for him leaving. Mm-hmm. That means that the first-round pick that they used on Crow Armstrong, they get back for him signing somewhere. So it ends up being wow. a wash. You trade a 19-year-old guy for an 18-year-old guy. Does it matter? Baseball, yeah, with, the, yep. with how long it takes, and you don't really know it. it, it you can't say anything at that So exactly. the Mets have done all of the things that you want them to do to go out and get guys. Right, the the dude the uh, uh, Rincon who they got for uh, McKinney, mm-hmm. who's in AAA right now, is absolutely crushing AAA pitching for the Mets, and he's a guy who opted out, but was a young prospect. All these great mm-hmm. things, and he's killing it for the Mets. He's another outfield guy who's more prepared to come up in the near future. So when you look at the Mets, the answer is it's not like just relying on the homegrown. I agree. It's that after this season, you have Robbie Cano money coming off. You have Dylan Patanza's money coming off. You're going to have to figure out what you're doing with right. guys like Conforto and other people. The Mets have somewhere in the ballpark of 50 to $60 million more to spend. And that's all I'm saying is I want them to spend. You forget right. about those. Yeah. I forgot completely about Robinson Cano and Dylan Patanza. They're still yep. paying Cespedes, I think, this year on that on that amount of money. That's crazy. So that's the thing. is like when you look at what the Mets have in terms of real dollars that they're going to push out, that they're going to be able to sign. They're waiting for next year. Yeah, it would be nice. They should win more this year. But this isn't the window, quote unquote, for the Mets. Mm. Especially that's why they're being so cautious with Degrom. If they thought this was the year, Degrom would would pitch through well, some that, of these. That, that to me was like kind of waving the white flag yeah, a little yeah. bit. Like Syndergaard, Syndergaard, they're going to re-sign in the offseason. They're going to give him his one year, uh, and he's going to sign it. So he can become a free agent because they mm-hmm. can't. He has to have a prove-it year. He's going to have to go through the whole same thing that a guy like Stroman did. The Mets going out and getting a guy like Javi to pair with Lindor means that they're prioritizing defense in their infield. Mm-hmm. That also means are they going to trade either J.D. Davis or Jeff McNeil, right? Because if you trade J.D. Davis or Jeff McNeil to move either of them out, the other guy takes the third base role. Then in the minors for the Mets, you got Beatty and you got uh, Vientos, who are both crushing baseballs, who are third base prospects, who are 21 years old. The whole thing is Mets fans want it to be now. Lindor is still young. Conforto still young. You Pete Alonso still relatively young. You have a situation where you've got a five-year window where you can be good. Let all the dead money come off. Trade some of the assets that are underperforming. I think at this point in time they're going to either give Conforto nothing, or a one-year deal, or they're going to let him walk, and they're going to reset the whole squad. And who's a free agent? Because they're going to go get free agent outfielders. They're going to get free agent pitchers, and they're going to spend oodles of money. So you're, so you're done with this year? No. I still think the Mets can win this year. But my thing is is that why would they have gone out, and I said it at the trade deadline, why I didn't want Bryant, why I didn't want all the stuff, was the prospects that you're giving up for who he ended up going for and all these guys went for, I'm not interested in doing because the Mets right now midseason have, I think, four guys who are top 25 prospects in baseball. They've got one top 10 prospect in Francisco Alvarez, the only catcher who's better than him is Adley. friend of the show, uh, Adley <laughs> Rushman. Like, that's it. It's Adley and then 19-year-old Francisco Alvarez, who has 20 home runs this year and has a 950 OPS. I'm all for it. So Mets fans have to always look at it and say, just because we got the guy with the money doesn't mean we spend it all today. Mm-hmm. He has to he assess said, the value, said that as well. assess value, and find out where we're moving. But in the same time, the manager ain't it. And we've talked about it on the show. I've been a few times. But Rojas ain't it. He's made some bad decisions, some everything else. 
wipe out bring the coaching staff. Terry. No, can't bring back Terry. <laughs> I love Terry, but you can't bring him back. Terry, no, Terry's old, old as dirt now. Yeah. I love his brain. I love him being involved in the yeah. organization. Um, but my man can't be out there. He's gonna have a heart attack on the field, and that's not gonna be good for anybody. Yeah. Plus COVID, all these other things. You don't you don't want to do that to the guy. You don't want to do that to the yeah. guy. While we're on the subject of money, because this just came out yesterday, and I'm I'm definitely curious, Bill, especially what your thoughts are on it. That was the, a fire segue. Thank you. Uh, while uh, the MLB is kind of talking about their CBA, yep, and they just came out that they want to do a salary floor of a hundred million dollars. Now, after reading that, I like went and went and looked at um, some of the other, like some of the like the lower teams, like total payrolls, and like the Indians, for example, their forty man payroll is twenty four million dollars. Like. That's absolutely nuts. That then the MLB at some point would say, "Hey, when you need to jack this up another eighty mil." Yeah. And I get what they're trying to do. They want them to spend money on players and actually like try and not just have five good teams and everyone else suck. But I don't. I don't think that's what it. That there's not even five good teams and everyone else sucks. Like, what's the Rays payroll? Probably still close to hundred. The Rays are forty-four. So like. No, I no, I understand the Rays, but the Rays are a different breed. But, but, they, but you but could be the Rays. But based off the floor, what he's saying is the Rays would have to spend $60 million. Sure, more. absolutely. No, no, I, I understand that there's a, there's a lot of like holes in that concept, which is why I thought it was so crazy. Every other league has a salary cap floor. Yep. There's a minimum that you're allowed to spend, right? And the reason that there's a minimum is they want you to field a team that has professionals on it on a day-to-day basis. Mm-hmm. Because everybody could get by, like, like you can fill your team with, Jamison Crowders, right? You can fill your team with a bunch of Jamison Crowders. But the reality is, is that that's not going to end up leading to you winning a lot of games. And that's going to be under, unproductive for what you have going on. So ultimately, like, you have to make some type of decision. And I love when we have, like, these little things that happen inside the show. So I need you guys to tell me what you guys think about what we're talking about. <laughs> One second. Okay, and we're back. Bill, you were saying? We have a situation <laughs> where you have teams that are spending no money and they're getting by, but then we, then you look into, you were just researching it, right? Mm-hmm. The luxury tax and how there's money that's out because the Cubs payroll is now down to $60 million, but they have, quote unquote, $160 million on their books. Mm-hmm. The, the, the thing I didn't like, and I know obviously because of things that are going on between both sides of this negotiation the thing that they put out that I, I, I like worse than what they said was that they're dropping the luxury tax threshold yep. from $210 million to, to $180, yeah. which is going to dissuade. their And the, the, the article I read said that seven teams would have had to drop, cut even more money than they did right. to get underneath that, right? The Yankees have been one of the teams that, like, we don't want to go over the luxury tax. Yeah. So they would have been somebody who would have cut from 207 down to 178. So yeah, you might get these other teams to come up off the floor, which makes them feel the more competitive team, but you also would have had these other teams competing against a team like the Dodgers, who are spending $390 million this year, Mm -hmm. and you would have gotten them, like they would have all been out. And it would just be, hey, we're gonna hand over this to the Dodgers every year. Now you see this in soccer, right? You go Mm -hmm. internationally to soccer, you have, these teams that spend a lot and then don't. We we just find out that Barcelona, the reason why right they're letting yeah. Messi go is they're 1.2 billion euros in debt, mm-hmm. right? Because they leveraged their past to get to the point that they could sign these guys and win, and there was no way of restructuring it and finding revenue. Yeah. 
right. right? So they broke themselves to get to this point. Now they know they have a good brand, so they'll figure it out and they'll mm -hmm. get there, but they're having to make large decisions. Whole bunch of guys on their team are now taking payroll cuts. This is what you have when you have uncapped league. Yep. The, the MLB either needs to go completely uncapped or a floor and a ceiling and you can't go past it. Mm -hmm. But then the players aren't gonna say yes to this because the players like making big money. Right. So Dennis, since you're all the way over on the side and I know you have a, a, a thing with you, Dennis, what did uh, happen years ago when they changed the salary cap in the NHL? Uh, it made it so teams that were dynasties for years, uh, they had to shed a lot of salary and it caused them to kind of backspin for a while. And what happened to some of the highest salaries in the game? It went, well, it, if you look at it as Yarmir Yager, I believe the year was 2000, he was making 10.6 million per year and the highest paid player right now in the nhl is 12 million so the salaries have not changed pretty much so they all. actually rolled back some of the salaries in the nhl and they pulled them all back prorated based off of a percentage of revenue mm -hmm. right so every player in the league started making less money is it easier to do with there's because there's less guys on the teams like with the nba like you have like your you know there's not there's not 20 guys on the fuck. Like, there's on the 15 guys yeah. on the roster. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, yep. there's not as many guys on the roster. There's not as much money going around to 40 men on the on the roster. Like, I don't know. I feel like there's more money to go around to smaller guys. People are making more money in the NBA. So you're hitting my point. What did baseball used to have? What's the NL called? The senior league. The senior circuit. Why? Mm -hmm. Because all of the best players and teams were the NL. The come-ups were the AL. Mm -hmm. Right? So you had almost a relegation system where you had the better players and the worst players. When you go overseas, if a soccer team stinks, they yeah, get they relegated. Get, get relegated yeah. NBA has talked about, to some degree, a mid-season tournament for teams that are in the lottery, right? Mm -hmm. To compete against each other, to try to get into the playoffs and lock in a reserve seed. They now have it that they have a a postseason play-in tournament where teams can make them their way in. Mm -hmm. They're doing this because they recognize that there's a have-and-have-not system. I think baseball needs relegation. And that's insanity because nobody wants to give up their money. But the reality is, is that we're looking at it, and maybe there just aren't enough baseball players who are comparable to play against each other. Well, it's just... It's sure it's a lot of different things. I also think it's too, like... A lot of teams treat the luxury tax as the cap because they don't want to yeah. go over it, right. but it, it is like a soft cap yeah. where there's still the possibility, so maybe we can do this, do that. But the, the numbers, I, I, I. But how do you have two teams in the same league? One is paying 24 million, and one is paying 290 million. Yeah. Like, what's no, the actual? What's the actual full salary for, for the, Dodgers? the Dodgers? 253. So the Dodgers are paying 253 million dollars this year. And the Cleveland Indians full 40 man is paying $24 million. That's not the same game. Yep. These are two different sports. These are two different leagues. We're, we're playing a game that we're well, saying that they're it, in the same league. We talked about it a million times, like, especially with the Indians. Like, they'll get pretty good with whatever talent they have, like, and then those guys will cost money, and then, all right, cool, we're going back to the And then the Marlins are the kings of it. Let's yep. go win a World Series, then dump, right? You know, the A's do the same thing. Mm -hmm. The Rays do the same thing. Yep. Yeah. Like it's it's definitely tough, and like some of it. Listen, like I'd say a sliver of it has to do to like guys where they're at in their careers. Like 
the, the Indians can have a ton of guys that are young that just aren't making that money yet. And the Dodgers mm. have a guy, a lot of guys that are veterans that are just making that money. So like that splits some of the difference, but not nearly enough to cover the spread of where yeah. things are at. Like, but the Cubs, the Cubs look like they're doing the Marlins, right? Yeah, we're gonna just gut our team out of all of our top level talent. But you know what we're gonna get? We're gonna get the number one or number two prospect in five different organizations. Guess what? We can we cost control these guys now for the next six years. Right. Yeah. So what are we gonna do? We're gonna we're gonna pay a little bit of money to get a couple of vets who can play alongside them, and then we're gonna have all of the best prospects in the game all come up at the same time, and we're gonna crush everybody. And then when they all start getting expensive, we'll do the same thing again. Yeah. And and well, they t- did. They did that with Brian and all those guys. Like yeah. for the most part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what they're doing. That's what I'm yeah. saying. Like they're gutting the team. They got all these good players. Next year they'll be meh. But you look at it. We, we said with the Indians, the Indians are undersold for how good they are. Mm-hmm. Right. You actually look at a guy. We we talk about Ahmed Rosario. Ahmed's fu- he's, he's figuring his stuff out, yeah. mm-hmm. and he's always had the talent. Always had the level. Andres Jimenez was the Mets' number one prospect. He's he's now playing there. You you look at what they have in their pitching. They knew what they got, but now they bring in all these other assets on top of it, and they're going to be able to restock, reload. And now they just need to have hey, we have a stud pitcher. Maybe we pay one stud hitter, right? One everyday guy, and then we fill in with top prospects. So and is we, the is the MLB's goal with this this move? I I don't really yeah. know how have to eliminate that concept. I'd I'd have to assume that. That you can't just that would punt. Be like the... You can punt it and you can do it, but you have to pay people, mm-hmm. right? So now there's two sides of this. The good side is if they wanted to do that strategy, you can buy out guys' arbitration years and just give them six-year, $10 million a year salaries mm-hmm. for your superstar 21-year-old, 22-year-old, right? Now he's signed till he's 28. He makes $60 million, which is what he would have made anyway, you lifted up what you actually were paying this year right. to match that. Right. Now young guys are getting paid sooner and they're also out of arbitration, right? Which I love, mm-hmm. right? Because that gets the young guys in the game. We're not messing around with any of these things. But the the, the challenge is, is that you have four or five different leagues inside the MLB. You have all of the, the people who have $250 million to spend who are willing to spend it. And then you have a bunch of teams from smaller markets who are just going to raise guys to trade. And they're going to get undervalued assets, rebuild their stock, and then spin them. I feel like it really hurts teams like the Rays and the A's. Like, the teams that actually do this the right way. Like, if they actually maybe spent more money, would it it hurt them more than help them? I'd always think that it, it, it can't hurt to have better players. Mm-hmm. But, but the are they better for what they are? You know what I mean? Like yes. their, their organizational concept. Like I, I understand that it's like the whole philosophy of what they do yep. and how they play the you're game. You're ruining. The, you're you're changing up their whole that those right. two organizations' philosophy, and those are the two that really have gotten. It. Even the Brewers really like the Brewers have gotten it pretty right with that. Like mm-hmm. they had guys like Adamus and their and their pitching staff, and like they're they're always competitive for the last five or six years, mm-hmm. and like they don't. Really, I don't think they're up high in the numbers. I would assume they're at like eighty. Like they're but, not yeah. even at 100, yep. and and that's and that's the that's the thing is that these teams all realize that there's two different versions of the game being played right now. There is, and they can't compete against the Dodgers. And we just saw that the at the trade deadline, the Dodgers just went and mortgaged everything they have. Let's bring in Scherzer and Trey Turner. <laughs> it's a joke, right? Mm-hmm. And like everybody's assumption is that they're going to let Seager walk. Well, maybe they're just going to have Turner play second for the rest of his life. Yeah, it's a like, joke. Like, oh, oh my God, what? Yep. How, how how is this allowed to happen in a this is like if this was a public company they'd have an antitrust suit like this is mm-hmm. you, this you, this is competitive balance laws like they're so much broken with that system but what do they have 
they have like four owners. Each owner is like a billionaire. Yep. So like now each guy's like, what does this mean to me? Like we'll all just throw money at it and we'll win and then we'll get to bring everybody and we'll have championships and we'll be legends and we'll be Hall of Famers. And it's like, you just bought the whole thing. Well, this guess what? Yankees fans can't be mad because this was what they were doing. They just can't do it the way that the Dodgers can. Mm -hmm. And then the Mets just sold their, themselves to a guy with more money than the Dodgers. Well, what happens when he decides that I'm tired of this? I'm just going to pay to play. You, yeah. they, it ruins the league because mm -hmm. you're going to have teams who pay 24 million. You'll have the Marlins pay 24 million dollars a year, and they know that because of the luxury tax, they're going to make 50 million dollars in luxury tax money. So they pay 24. They still win enough games to have people come in the stands, and they make all their profit on the luxury tax. Derek Jeter, and now they're millionaires. Mm -hmm. You say that. Derek Jeter's too. Derek Jeter got there. He sold house. They didn't put a. They didn't try to field the competitive team. He's changing that, that franchise. But he way. said he was going to be competitive right out of the gate. They sold and mortgaged everything. We'll see. I think it's interesting. So do you th do you think baseball should go capped? Do you think baseball should bring the floor up and not move the high end? I think – I don't know exactly what the answer is, but I do think they need the bottom team to start working harder on trying to get better. I think I don't like the like super ebb and flow of hey we can be really good and then we're gonna absolutely be awful. At minimum, just however they have to work it so that they're not terrible, but they're just maybe doing a little rebuilding instead of being 120 million to 20 million. I like I like a floor and a, like a, like I like just having like guardrails to work on both directions. Yeah, and again, I think from a competitive balance standpoint, having a hard cap makes it that everybody's playing with the same rules. Mm -hmm. And you look at the NFL, the reason why the NFL gets Formula by Formula 1 just did stuff, that, actually. Right? Yeah. Formula 1. Yep. When you put a cap on it, you create a situation where everybody's working with the same things. I agree. Mm -hmm. And if everybody's right, working with, with the, the cars, right? So like yeah, so, the, so Formula 1, I don't know if you're aware. Like yep. they, they were completely uncapped, and you get like Mercedes team that spend like $300 million, and then you yep. have the like Haas, who's, who's like the the new guy who spend like $100 million or less. And, and the it's cars like the car is drastically different. Yep. yep. I, I agree. I, like the NFL, like you said, it's. I think it should be here. Like for the game, it's great. The players, not so much. But hey, guess what? You can still make your money off the field if you build your own brand, do your own other thing. Like that's mm -hmm. a whole other ball game. But and with the NHL, like just to give an example, they have the cap floor and the cap ceiling is like twenty million dollars apart. But what the bottom feeding teams do is they get guys that have a salary of ten million dollars, call it for the year, but they're not actually playing, so they'll just extend the contract, Bobby Bonilla style. They're actually paying people, maybe like. 30 million but their salary cap would show that they're at the 60 million dollar floor for example mm -hmm. i could picture oh, i'm sure there's tons of ways they can rework it teams are going like to do that like the mets having all that dead cap right now mm -hmm. one of the bottom feeding teams would just give up nothing to get robinson cano maybe they get some draft picks out of it for example mm -hmm. right and that's what you see in the nba to some degree right expiring contracts are a big deal how do i trade you know the 30 million dollars left on an aging superstar to a team Right, they take on the contract, and I give them a first-round pick for it. Now I get thirty million dollars, right? Yeah, I like that, and, and I think that that helps the NBA get there. The challenge with the NBA is the NBA also does not have a hard cap, right? And that's allowed that allowed the whole situation with the Golden State Warriors to come out, mm -hmm. right? Now you have a team that the way they worked it, and then one year all of a sudden there's thirty million dollars added to like, their the their, their bottom line, mm -hmm. and boom, the the Lakers the Lakers aren't doing it the same way they are. Um, but the Lakers are close, yeah. and the Nets are close. You know, you're paying three players who are over the salary cap. So I have a team who has, if I have a team that's at, at $90 million in the NBA, 
and my salary cap is $99 million. I, I can only go to $99 million. But another team, if they're already over the cap, $140 million, they can still trade players and bring players into their team and stay above. Mm-hmm. So my only way to go up is by acquiring salary that I then allow to go past. And it, it creates competitive imbalance that once a team is over, if they have enough money, they can just continuously pay to the luxury tax every mm-hmm. year. And they, if they have enough money, they don't care. Now I'm always putting a competitive imbalance. So you either, the, again, the, the NFL, you can say whatever you want. Everybody's working with the same tools. Everybody's got the same floor, same amount of people, same amount of everything. And that's why the, the league does so well. And now, yeah, does it on a per-player per basis, do guys make as much money? No. But guess what? Josh Allen just got $43 million a year. He's, he's, he's as highly paid as Mike Trout mm-hmm. in an uncapped league. Guys, and he's, he's one of 53, and Mike Trout is one of 25. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. You can do it. You just got to figure out what it is. Yeah. Well, so, since we're on the subject of the Angels, Shohei Otani had his 40th home run last night. And? And he pitched eight innings with six hits, one run, zero walks, and eight Ks. So, again, we talk on the show every week. He's he, the, the luster has gone away because everybody gets hyped about the home runs. Mm-hmm. But who, who is he in the second half now? Oh, that's right. The actual David uh, uh, Jacob deGrom. Mm-hmm. He was at a .95 or .93 ERA after the All-Star break. Mm-hmm. And then with that, with no earned runs and eight Ks, that's gotten even lower, I'd assume. I don't have his numbers pulled up in front of me. Yeah. Um, but he, he hasn't lost since he came out. He's going to have double-digit wins on the season. He's going to strike out if he continues to do this and keeps making all the starts. He He's going to strike out close to 175 people, and he's going to hit close to 50 home runs. It's the greatest season in history, and we're not talking about it enough in, in baseball. right? How is it not talked about every day? No, it, I think it's starting to get much more celebrated as the year has gone on. Like, like you could see like his fandom, his like he's the face of baseball right now. I mean, like I saw a picture like Miguel Cabrera's kids are like begging to take pictures. Everyone's kids are begging, players' kids are begging to take pictures of Shohei. Like he's the guy. He's proven it. This is this is the fact that him and Tatis are like the faces of the AL and the NL MVP right now is a great thing for baseball. I think there's been a lot of great things for baseball this year, particularly, and he's a big driver behind it. He is the MVP, lock, sign it up, mail it in, it's over. But not just MVP. The greatest season in baseball history. That's mm-hmm. my thing, like, the, the like, and I know I'm, I'm always the guy who, who has the big swinging, like, hey, here's my hot take. We can't talk about Babe Ruth anymore. No. I, I can't. What does Babe Ruth have left that hasn't been beaten? And you can say whatever you want about, you know, steroids and this and that. We had rookie... Uh, Aaron Judge and rookie Pete Alonso both almost hit 55. And you're flying across the country getting off a plane and playing. You're not taking a bus and like you're playing day games. You're playing day games, night games. You're playing early. You're, facing, you're not facing the same guy all the time, you're, too. You're facing guys throwing 95, coming out of the pen at different angles. The, yep. the pitcher who's exhausted in the ninth inning who you smack a home run off of, nah. The guy, that guy's not there anymore. He's not. You're not on a pitcher who's at pitch number 146. You're at a guy who's at at pitch number one, and he throws 106, and he has nasty everything. Yeah, like, yeah. So, so like, I agree. At this point, like, Babe Ruth has was killed by Shohei Otani. 
Just dig him the hole. Dig him the hole. Mm-hmm. His hole. Well, he's already in a hole. But like, dig him. Damn. Dark. Dang. Dark. Darkness. <laughs> but clip that. Clip that. Um, nah, Babe Ruth. Like, throw it away. I, Don't ma- I, I agree. Because the, the, the last thing anybody talked about was the fact, oh, but when's the last time somebody was able to pitch and hit? No. None of his seasons. None no. of his seasons match this. And I'm pretty sure the 40 home runs that Shohai is at right now, by the time he gets done, it's going to have been one of the top five hitting seasons that Babe Ruth ever had. And, and if we're now talking about, like, while he was pitching better than Babe Ruth ever pitched, he hit as well as Babe Ruth ever hit. Like, it, it's just—and I, I think that the everyday fan, like, gets it. But when, when there was the home run chase, and there was, like, all this stuff back in the 90s with Sosa and McGuire and all this, like, it was on the back page of the paper every day. Mm-hmm. Every day was a new count. It was a new thing. And, like, we're not talking about, like, show high's numbers all the time on the regular. Well, like, he's doing historically crazy things. The other thing that you got to put into play is, like, this is also a guy in a foreign country doing things that with he doesn't even speak, like, the language. And he doesn't know, like, he's not, I'm sure he's not 100% comfortable being here, uh, you know, in the United States. And this guy's doing this just because, you know, yep. like, it's just nuts. Absolutely nuts. Yep. Um, he is definitely the MVP. This is the greatest season of history of all time. Like it's it's a it's a lock. What you had yep. said back in February came to fruition. Like this is the greatest season ever. And like you said, Babe Ruth is it's it's irrelevant at this point. I, and I just hope that a hundred years from now, people are talking about Shohei Otani and listening to this podcast and wondering, <laughs> you know, that's the guy he said. How it. are they so prophetic? Well, can, like. Can this ever be done again? Like, can he do this ever again? Or is this well, like... Well, that's the thing. Is this I his think everybody's season? kind of like, is it just going to be this year? And then is there going to be injuries again? Is there going to be a fall off? Like, what does he actually like level out to be as, as like his average as a player? Because it's only year three for him. Um, it might not be like th- to this extent of amazing, but it also quite possibly could be. It might be better. It might be better. We don't know. Yeah, listen. But, at the end of the day, I mean, who cares? We right now, about, right now, we're living in in, in this moment. This is the amazing. greatest season ever. It's amazing. And what we talked about earlier in the season was that his pitching wasn't really there. He still had control issues, different yeah. stuff. But you knew the stuff was there, velo, all that. And then we said in the second half, he's probably going to lock in. And guess what he's doing? Locked in. And does he take that into next season and extend it out over a full season and win MVP, Cy Young, and Silver Slugger and whatever, it's Triple un- Crown or whatever? It's unfortunate we won't see him. It's the same thing we say about Mike Trout every year. We won't see him on the big stage of the postseason so where everybody's watching. Like Trout could get off the couch, maybe. Make a, make that a would late, be nice. Make a late but push. Listen, at the end of the day, Angels still need pitching. And I love that they drafted thirty pitchers or whatever it was. I'm sh- that that helps a little bit. Straight? Yeah. yeah, something like that. I, like, yeah, it's crazy, man. It's crazy. That Angels team is like unbelievable. They've had like the two best players in baseball over the longest period of time now, between Trout and now Otani. They put together a great lineup. There's just nobody on the field right now. Yeah. How how many guys best seasons of their career are typically age twenty six? Sure, like a decent amount, depending on when they got into the so league. So typically what everybody says, right, is age 27 20, to 32 yeah, is like yeah. the peak window. This is the age 26 season for Otani. And I, the reason why this show was so hot on him early was when he made his debut in the league and had a 925 OPS and followed it up with an 850 OPS, he was a 23 and a 24-year-old. Coming to a new place, not speaking the language. The same thing you would say about a lot of these guys who are playing in – 
uh, like different Spanish leagues, like playing mm. in in in, in uh, the Caribbean and countries. They at least were getting raised in MLB camps and and programs where you were speaking to guys who did also speak English. You you were taking English classes. Like yeah. Otani was out there, just like I'm playing baseball in Japan and I love it. And then everybody was like, "No, you're too good. You need to leave." Yeah. So like he came much less prepared than I think a guy like even Tatis, who was groomed for this yeah, forever, yeah. right? Like you showed up and you're just dominating. So. I, I really do think that part of him is him getting relaxed and then not having to earn trust. This year, like, hey, can we trust you as a pitcher? Can we trust you as a hitter? He's earned the trust. Yep. Next year he gets to start off right away. Like, I don't have to worry about trust. I don't have to worry about all the stuff. I can just be great. Um, and I hope that Trout's back, but then this comes back. Otani, Josh Pira, $50 million a year. I mean, he's doing the he's, he's the best at like if he's doing what he's doing on both sides, you're literally getting a, yeah, you have no yeah. And I I bring it up because Josh and I brought said fifty million was probably what we think, and then about a week ago ESPN had a whole article about how much Shohei Otani was worth, and most of the scouts were like at least fifty million. Yeah. Um. So he's gonna be the first fifty million dollar a year player, and that's the insanity. Can the Angels afford two players? Who are making a hundred million dollars each, like together? Right now, they're only at seventy as a team. What? Right now, they only pay seventy as a team. They pay seventy as a team, and forty million dollars of it is going to Mike Trout. Trout. Yep. And thirty million of it is going to Rendon. Yeah. How how are we mathing this out? That hold seems on. wrong. That I'm, seems I'm wrong. I'm just going off of, of this. Okay, hold on. Fine. The luxury payroll is two hundred. Yeah. No, they're paying yeah, a lot yeah. more. Yeah. They're, they're paying a lot more. Um. I think, again, they're going based off of guys who are probably playing and accumulating innings right now. Yeah. And if those guys are on the IL, right. you start paying for games lost and things mm-hmm. like that. But, yeah, I, I mean, with them and with, with Rendon and him, they're at 70. Then if you pay $50 million, uh, $50 million to Shohei, you're at $120 million just on three guys, and you need to sign another 22 to play with them, right? Mm-hmm. That's why they suck. They're going to have to trade somebody, and I, again— could it be my trap? Still, guys, you guys tell us next time. <laughs> who do you think is going to be there the longest with the Angels? And do you agree with our takes on the AL East and the NL East? We appreciate you guys coming on, Josh. Great having you, buddy. Welcome back from vacay, and we'll see you guys next time. Later. Baseball lifestyle. It's my lifestyle. <laughs>